Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. I'm sitting here with hair dye in my hair, with plastic around my headphones, hoping that I don't get this blue color freaking everywhere. It is a hard day. Obviously, it's the start of the trial, so... Tension is high all over social media, and anxiety is high for all us survivors and victims. I don't know what's going to happen from this case. Obviously, it would be amazing for her to be found guilty of her crimes and to get the maximum sentencing and to actually serve it. That would be the best outcome. Now, is that what's going to happen? History says maybe not. I mean, Bill Cosby was let out over a technicality. He literally admitted to violating Pennsylvania law for rape. And he's not serving any time because of a technicality. So, so many things can happen. And... It's hard to trust the justice system and the legislative system. It's it's hard to trust anything anymore. So when you have suffered through some of the most heinous crimes, how do you deal with all of this? And it's a question that I have been asking myself for a few weeks, just trying to figure out how to cope. It's difficult. I know that much. Um, I'm at a loss for words most of the time. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to trust, who I can talk to. Sometimes I completely overshare, which is a trauma response. Sometimes I undershare, which is also... A trauma response. I mean, I am so in over my head right now. There has never been a case like this brought to court before. Um, not a trial anyways. So it's nerve wracking. And I don't like to not know things. I'm like an information person. I like to have All the information in front of me, it's like the not knowing and the waiting that's the worst for me. And that's what's been happening now. So I guess they had a phone number with a code that you could call in. Honestly, I don't know how true that is or not. The people that I saw share it are pretty legit, so I'm assuming it was, but the code apparently is malfunctioning, so today nobody can call in and listen. I did read that they had opened up new courtrooms for public viewing, which probably is filled with a lot of journalists. Um, Federal court is a whole different ballgame than state court. I mean... You have to have an ID to enter. I mean, there's a lot of things you have to go through. I had talked about on one of my TikToks, and this was 
God, it was my first account when I was first getting started. And there was a federal case local to me. And it was a man that sex trafficked multiple women. And he was an arrogant son of a bitch and pled not guilty because he didn't think that anybody was going to show up. He really believed that his victims were too scared. But they did. They all showed up. They all testified. They all told their truth. And he was convicted on all counts and put away for quite some time. I wanted to go to show support and... I had spoken with my advocate who was already attending and just said, you know, I just want to go for the sentencing just to show them support, you know. Um, So it's not just, I'm trying to think of how to put it. Like it's not, it wouldn't just be people that were his family or stuff like that. Like they could see other people cared and, I couldn't even get approved to go in. So, I mean, it's difficult. I don't know what all the rules are in New York or anything like that, but we'll see how it goes. And I made some videos last night, and I'm probably going to make some more later on here today after I go get, like, a gallon of blood drawn. I have uh, Hashimoto's and Graves' disease, which are both hyper and hypothyroidism autoimmune so I have to get my levels checked and I gotta do that today getting stuck with a needle is probably not what's best but hey whatever um but I said you know the most important thing in all of this is the victims and they deserve their privacy if that's what they want if they don't want their stories to be televised then they deserve that If they don't want to talk to journalists, they deserve that. I mean, the thing is, is it's like we can't just sit here and try to satisfy our own curiosities about this case. We have to create a safety net for the victims that are testifying. We also have to create one for the ones that aren't testifying because... They're either no longer with us, so we need to support their families because this is a very hard thing for them too, or the ones that were just too scared to come forward, which is completely legit. Nobody needs to come forward. You come forward when you want to. You press charges when you want to. So I think it's important to get that message out there. And I think this case is a really good example of what I mean when I say that sex trafficking awareness does not end with the last sale. Saving a victim, it's not over once you get them away. It is a long road. And this is just one of those things. In the cases that I testified in, it was me the person that I accused and the district attorney. I had an attorney just for protection reasons and his attorney. 
and the judge and one case had a jury that was it that was all that was in the courtroom I mean there wasn't all these people it was just us and it was I mean it was terrifying because I had no idea you know what was going to happen and so one case I can talk about um it was an assault case simple assault um and I remember the police officer that made the arrest that took the pictures and the report and everything was there and I mean I was terrified and he just he stood at the door and he said listen when you get in there I want you to take notice of how many police officers are in there how many bailiffs are in there no one is going to let him get to you I'm going to be in there and there's going to be a bailiff that's going to be between you and him a, you're, you know, and always the, you're very strong for doing this. Most women don't, you know, all of that stuff. So, I mean, it was calming to me because it also helped me ground in a way. I was counting. I looked at the judge. I noticed the stenographer. I noticed all the, you know, I guess staff, you would call it, that are inside each courtroom. And... I felt safety that there was that many people there because I didn't think he would come after me. He was brought in in handcuffs. So that was another thing that was comforting because he couldn't have any weapons. He was brought right from the jail. So it was hard despite all of that. Um... The prosecution brought me on the stand and they asked me to give the details of what had happened that night about a lot of other things about our relationship and, you know, just pretty much what they always ask. The defense, it was, I mean, I don't know how someone can do this. So the defense attorney started questioning if I was a drug addict. And at the time, I could consciously say no, because I wasn't. I was not using at the time. He asked if I was promiscuous and if I had been unfaithful to his client, as if that made it okay what he did if I cheated did that somehow mean that the assault was legit and then it was like he was just minimizing it like minimizing absolutely everything that happened and it felt so invalidating and I felt so much shame I mean everything that that defense attorney said in every way that he tried to twist and spin my testimony, it was almost as if I was being abused all over again by him this time. I was definitely being emotionally abused because it, it was like almost like gaslighting. 
you know, my reality wasn't the real version. Obviously, I had a vendetta because I had been caught cheating, which honestly, I wasn't cheating at all. I don't even know why that got brought up. But they were trying to have the charges dropped to harassment. And I guess that's what the whole thing around why he was questioning what my injuries were. And I had pretty severe road rash. I mean, I couldn't straighten my arms and my knees for like a couple weeks because of the scabbing was so bad. So long story, kind of short, kind of not long, but um, he was found guilty by the judge and he, um, he went back to jail because he was out on probation or parole. No, he was out on parole. So there was a um, detainer on him. So he wasn't allowed to be freed. He had to still face his violation of probation hearing. He called that day and I remember the phone call like it was yesterday and it was just, I could have gotten harassment if you wouldn't have talked about your injuries the way that you did. And it was like, God, if I didn't talk about it. So basically, if I had lied and minimized it, then you would have only gotten a harassment charge, you know? So it's just like, I know this is such a different kind of case and it seems so trivial compared to what's actually going on here. But I mean, the feeling of shame, I mean, it may not be the same level that these victims are going to feel, but I understand what it's like. There is other cases that were a lot worse than this that I, I don't feel comfortable talking about, but this is what I mean. It's like these women, they're going to get off that stand. And if they're anything like me, they're going to go home and they're going to take as many showers as they can to realize that there's not enough showers to wash that feeling away. And I do that all the time myself. When I have flashbacks and things like that, I feel dirty and I just need to get clean and I feel the need and the urge to take a shower. So I take showers and it's like you just try to wash that feeling away and it just it never goes away. So what can we do right now? How can we support everybody? Obviously, we can't just go give these people hugs. We can't send them letters and those types of things. It's just not a viable option. But what we can do is we can chill with the conspiracy theories. Because I know that I have been trying to distract myself with this trial by just scrolling through social media. But it's everywhere Everybody's talking about it, but they're not talking about it. They're talking about whatever craziness that they want to attach to it. I mean, like my last episode where I spoke directly to a man that made a video about it claiming that COVID was a distraction. I mean, the victims could potentially see that. And I wonder if anyone even thinks about that. 
when you sit and make a video because you want attention brought to you, do you think about the attention it takes away from the victims and their stories? Because it definitely does. And the only person that it helps is the trafficker because they get away with more. They get to be more hidden because your video that got 500,000 views, you know, a million views, whatever. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be sharing that and they're going to take that information and they're going to spread it and it's false and it's not true. So then the traffickers can capitalize off of that. And not only can they use it to hide better, they can use it against their victims. So for example, the whole Wayfair debacle and I wasn't being trafficked when that came out, but let's just say for conversation purposes that I was. I could have fought my parents and said, you know, this isn't normal. And they could have used that to gaslight me further. And they could have said, well, this is what sex trafficking is, being sold on an app. That's not happening to you. You're not being sex trafficked. This is what normal is. So that's a very real possibility and it happens a lot. And I don't think enough people think about that. They don't think about the repercussions of these theories that they are latching onto, wanting it to be truth. And I, honestly, I don't know why they want it to be truth. I mean, I understand sex trafficking is one of the most gruesome, heinous, disgusting crimes that could ever be committed to somebody in certain ways. And it's hard to hear those details. But I mean, why latch on to fantasies? Because I mean, it's just a fantasy. You're not saving anyone. You're not protecting yourself. It's just a fantasy. But does anyone think about how it hurts victims? because it does. And I was talking with a good friend today, had a very long talk with her last night and God, she saved my sanity. I don't even think she knows that, but there is a website for anything you want. And I right now currently own seven different domains for multiple reasons. Some aren't in use, some are for future use, and I just wanted that um, website address before it got taken up. It takes about five seconds to buy a web domain. And you can sit here and make a news article and make it look as legit as possible. Have ads placed in it and all sorts of stuff, and it's just a blog site. So you can find whatever information you want to find, and you can sit there and share a news article, but it doesn't mean that it's true. And I mean, yeah, I don't exactly trust the mainstream media, but it doesn't mean that it's all corrupt and that you can't listen to anything that they say that they always put out false information 
But to listen to a blog site, which is literally like to compare it. So I do my podcast and I load mine up onto anchor.fm, which if you hear the ad at the beginning of my podcast, you hear that. So I publish to their website and then they publish it for me. And they pretty much do a lot of the dirty work for me, which makes it a lot easier And I love Anchor. They're absolutely amazing. I've tried different platforms and I've always gone back to them. But I can say whatever I want. I'm not like I don't have to submit this episode that I'm recording right now for them to check to make sure that the facts are true. But I just I just post it and I upload the file and then it's out there for all the world to find. Now, I could be giving 100% accurate information, but I also could come on and I could make a podcast about something that's entirely false. And it's the same things with these websites. People buy these websites and they can write whatever they want. And as long as it's theirs and they own it, they can publish it and they can put it out there and it's an opinion piece and or a blog. So... Just because somebody found an article somewhere deep on the web, it doesn't mean that the story they're putting out is true. So we have to be careful because it's like I started sharing my story with Wayfair because I just got tired of hearing all the conspiracy theories. I was new to TikTok and it was really taking off the conversation about sex trafficking, at least in my world and I was starting to see all the misinformation and I got in a lot of arguments with people that were disagreeing with videos that I was making just trying to spread the truth and say that Wayfair is not true the underground tunnels aren't true and people didn't want to hear it I mean they had a face they had an actual survivor And they didn't want to hear it because I wouldn't say who my parents' names were. So that discredited me as being a legit survivor. But as my account grew, more and more people started to hear the truth in my story. And things started to click, I guess, and started to make sense. This is at least what they told me. And uh, it felt so amazing. It was just... It wasn't that I was getting attention. It was that the truth of sex trafficking was getting attention. And months go by, and that's what led me to my podcast. And I try to be as factual as I can. With my story, it is my story. I tell my truth. When I talk about statistics and talk about how conspiracy theories aren't true, which ones aren't true talk about things like that I research it I don't just sit here and say whatever I make sure that it's as factual as it can be and if it's something that's my opinion I say it this is just my opinion and if you want to disagree you can and if you don't you don't have to but you know not a lot of people are like that they don't want to be told that what they're saying isn't true because If they have to admit that what they said wasn't true, 
than those 500,000 views, those 30,000 views, those million views. They don't mean anything because you're knowingly and willingly putting out false information. And if you admit that and you make an, uh, you make another video admitting your mistake, then you lose all credibility. So I don't even know what I said. I know I've been kind of going around. It's been a day and it's going to be a rough six weeks through this trial. Um, but all I'm asking is a safe space, a safety net, security, whatever for these victims, because that's what they're going to need. And whether they're going to be on social media or not, I don't know. Whether they're going to listen to podcasts or not, I don't know. But remember, yes, there are four women that are victims that are testifying. There are thousands more. This is just through, I think it was from 1996. It's like a 10 years ban out of her entire life of what she did. There's a lot of people that didn't come forward. There's a lot of people that the only lifeline that they have to find out what is happening is through social media. And I can guarantee you, we don't want to hear the crazy theories. They hurt and they make it a lot harder. So <sighs> I don't like to tell anyone what to do. Everyone has choices. I've always talked about that, and I'm a firm believer in that. Everybody has a choice. So you can choose what you want to do, how you want to talk about this case. All I'm asking is that you at least consider if you are spreading information that is not verified by a legit source that you think about how it may or may not affect a victim or a survivor of Ghislaine Maxwell because they are the people that are the most important in all of this. They're the superstars. They're the heroes right now. They are trying to bring down somebody that hurt them. And the ones that are staying silent, they're still fighting whether you can see it or not. So let's just do what we can to support everyone in this case and all sex trafficking survivors because if she goes down, it can give so many other victims of other sex trafficking rings and sex traffickers the strength to come forward. This case can do a lot and it also can do absolutely nothing. It just depends on how the public acts. And it also depends on the results of the case. I pray that she gets founded guilty if the evidence proves that she's guilty. I pray that she gets the toughest sentence possible. And I pray that she makes it to the end of her sentencing and that she does not take matters into her own hands because suicide is not justice. Justice is justice. So I may or may not be 
doing episodes throughout the week about the trial. I just, I'm taking it one hour, one minute, one second at a time. I am so anxious and one day at a time is too overwhelming for me right now. So I'm taking it down. And if I have to take it down to one second at a time, I will. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all your love and support. Thanks for listening to my opinion on this case. And I hope that it helps people to understand sex trafficking a little bit more by seeing a trial, seeing someone convicted, and seeing what it does for the victims and the survivors. Because this case, this can help and sex trafficking, as long as it's handled properly. So let's keep that in mind. And I will talk with y'all soon. Have a good one.